I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we give a full recap of OU's less than impressive win over Nebraska in the National College Football Roundup. We recap Oklahoma State, Boise State, Bama, Florida, Auburn, Penn State, and Arizona State, BYU. And we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, September 20th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in September from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Blitz and Bucks promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now we're recording this Monday morning, which is a little different. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Sorry for the delay, Ted. I suppose we can only start one place. Are you all right? Is everything okay? When you sent me that text last night, I was like, wait, he must be feeling horrible to miss this. I can only explain what's been going on as, like I said to you earlier, the flu, food poisoning, and the worst hangover ever all rolled into one is what I've been going through about the last, oh, 36 hours or so. I feel like I'm hopefully on the back end of it, but my goodness, it was horrible. And I kept, I kept holding off yesterday thinking I've got to start feeling better. I've got to start feeling better. And it just didn't happen. It was horrible. It was literally, I I appreciate the effort because it was literally five minutes before we were about to record. And you're like, dude, I just can't. I I, I told my wife, I was like, there's no way I can do this. I just can't, can't happen. 
So I appreciate you though, man. Uh, I know it's not easy to, to fit this in on a Monday, but it would not have looked good last night if I would have done it. <laughs> I, if, if I'm interpreting what's going on or what was going on correctly, there would have been a lot of stopping and starting. So it would have been a bit yes. a little choppy, maybe. Yep, that's right. <laughs> okay. Now that people are uh, fully aware of your ailments, let's, uh, let's get to the game, man, because just a, a very strong reaction in a couple of different ways, especially from the fan base about this performance. And I think we're going to talk them off the ledge a little bit after going back and watching it, you know, closely. Let's start with the defense, Ted. And I always defer to you when it comes to how they played. But as I went back and watched it, Nebraska threw everything at them offensively. I mean, shifts, motions, personnel groupings, formations that they hadn't shown on film, a lot of things they hadn't seen. How, how did you feel they played? Well, I thought in general they played pretty good. I thought the defensive line was good. Um, pressure on the quarterback for the most part was good. Um, thought we tackled well. The only thing that really happened, we gave up some big plays. Um, you know, the passing game, I felt like we should have we should have rushed at least four more often. You know, Martinez has shown in the past that if you get after him, if you bring pressure, if you get to him in the pocket, he's bad. He'll turn the football over. He's inaccurate. But if he has time and can sit there, you know, like most quarterbacks, he can he can deliver. So we did some of the three-man rush with the short spy which I don't hate, but some of those times, you know, I, I wish we would have gone after him some, changed it up on him a little bit. I, I don't hate it. I don't hate the concept, but I do when it's Nick Benito as the short spy. Yeah. And just, just follow me on this. Like, yes, you, you short spy him. He's hovering, waiting to see what Martinez does. And you're hoping those three guys can win, but he just had too much time, and I, I do not, I do not understand taking one of the best pass rushers in all of college football and not letting him rush the passer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just uh, when you say it out loud, and I know they trust him to play that little short spies position. And he's got the speed and the awareness and all those things, and he can run him down if he takes off. Like I understand why they're using it, why they're using him there, but. This guy's one of the best pass rushers in college football. Let him rush the passer, man. Uh, that's where yeah. I I don't necessarily hate the concept. I hate how much they used it. I think they used it too much in some of those third down situations, especially in the first half. But don't use Benito. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I generally have always said that I hate the spy. Um. Now, it's most teams do it from backer depth. One of the linebackers turns into the spy. What does that say? Ranch dressing? Well, since, since normally we record at night, I'm not drinking coffee during the recording. Today, I am. I'm getting <laughs> my, uh, my third morning cup. And my cup, if you watch it on YouTube, it says, there's a chance this is ranch dressing. <laughs> nice. It's very on brand. Uh, but the spy is usually done from backer depth. 
like you'll have two inside backers. One will have like the back man to man, or maybe if it's some type of zone concept, the other guy comes, steps up and, and spies the quarterback. And it's usually against a really athletic quarterback. And it usually is a waste of a guy. I'd rather blitz the guy or keep the guy in coverage. And it's kind of the same concept here. I like it in the third and medium as a changeup. I don't like it on third and long. I like it in third and medium as a changeup. And yeah, I we don't have to spend all day on it, but I agree they they should have used it uh, less than they did. And I, it's a great point on Benito. Um, let someone else come in and do it. Let him let him uh, get after the cue. So other than that, though, I I thought just the lack of pressure on him was was why we gave up some deep balls and give him credit. I feel like, you know how it feels like every guard in the NBA has their best game ever, uh, career game against the Thunder? I kind of feel like the same thing at, at quarterback. Everyone has their career day at quarterback against the Sooners. Um, he he nailed it. He, he made some great throws out there. Uh, deep ball was beautiful, uh, was, was thrown on the run, getting outside of the pocket. He had a really good day. Now, um, if you put it all together, is there things that need to get better? Absolutely. Got to be a little bit more consistent at the backer position. Um, I thought the tackling was pretty good on the back end, but I hate to say this, and I know people get upset with it, but I thought Adrian Martinez just had a really nice day. Yeah, some of the some of the most accurate passes I've seen him throw. I mean, truly, right? The one where DJ Graham gets beat down the sideline on the go ball, dude drops it in a bucket. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, the the tight end where they bust the coverage, right? Now shouldn't bust that coverage, but puts it right on the money to big to that big tight end. So you you look at some of the throws he had, but I thought maybe some of that success, some of that accuracy came came from him gaining confidence early in the game on those yeah. third downs yeah. and settling into the game, feeling comfortable. Uh, I thought that allowed him to, you know, kind of kind of play the game with a positive mindset, which is the exact opposite of what you want for a quarterback that is that is playing on playing you on the road. So I, I think those things went hand in hand. I think he gained confidence early in the game on those first couple drives because he was able to sit there and pat it on third down. And those guys were able to find the, find the holes in the zones and it just kind of carried throughout the game for him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, once you feel like it's, it's not going to be everyone at your feet and knees and every time you're stepping into a throw, you can, uh, you can let it fly a little bit more. And I thought he did. I, you know, hats off to him. Credit him. I thought he thought he had a really good day, man. I really did. I thought the defensive line. I, I thought they did a great job on the run game. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a mobile quarterback, and they had some success, right? But really, no explosive runs. Oh, they only had a handful of of runs that went for over like, like what was eleven and thirteen or something like that, and yeah. that was really it. They, I mean, they played the run game, and Nebraska tried all kinds of different things. Gap scheme, zone, big personnel groupings, sub-personnel groupings, and the penetration just killed a lot of it. I will say this, and I know that he's probably watching this film going, I should have had six sacks in this game. Isaiah Thomas was the best player on the field. Yeah, he's, he, he is. He, he made so many of those plays the bubble. Game. And, you know, when they're trying to get outside, he made it bubble so far that everyone had time to, to get around. Yeah, he he had dude, he gets so much push from that DN spot. Like in the run game, he's he, bubbling everyone back. Now he just standing next to him on the sideline now, like he is physically he looks great. Now, like that is a guy that's been in a what college weight room program for a long time, right? And he, he is very physically developed, but dude, he he just must be strong. Like he must just have great functional strength because you're right. I was watching it and <laughs> And I was rather rather critical of Nebraska's offensive line coming into the game. I still feel like they're not very good, although I, I did gain some respect for their center. He got two penalties for blocking too well. Which he was is, good, dude. When when they uh, they pull him and, and make him go to the outside on everything, he's quick. He, he made himself some money in yeah. that game. I was like, okay, okay, Jurgens. I talked to him after the game. I was like, hey, man, sorry you got those penalties for blocking too well, and he just started laughing. Uh, but I, I thought Isaiah Thomas, just the penetration in the run game, the pressure he got on Martinez as a pass rusher, man, he, he was fantastic. And I'm sure he wished he would have made more plays and got Martinez on the ground a couple of those. But you go back and watch it, man. He was, just, he was everywhere. He, he killed so many of their run concepts with all the penetration. Uh, it was just like dead on arrival for the yeah. running backs. I thought I thought he was great. Yeah, they finally started. The, the most success they had is whenever they finally started uh, gap scheming it and kicking him out with the center. Like that's where they were starting to create that gap. That's where the uh, the kid you know hurt his knee. But no, he he had himself a day. He did. God, he's gonna get those though. I know, like. Adrian Martinez is about as athletic of a quarterback that they're going to face this year. Yeah. No, he, he's big, man. Yeah. Like down is. on the field, I was like, okay, he is not a – he's a big, good-looking athlete. I suppose we've waited long enough. The DJ Graham interception. Now, the 
the smartest of OU football fans. Okay, let me let me just say this. Right? We we get it. He should have knocked it down. It would have been better for field position. But Ted, when you're when you're on the field and it's fourth down, and all you're thinking in your head is make a play, make a play on the ball. The ball's in the air, make a play, make a play. And you've trained for months and months and years and years at the defensive back position to make a play on the ball in the air. Sorry, he didn't knock it down. All he gave people was one of the best interceptions you'll ever see in your damn lives. Why didn't he knock it down? He's got to have more awareness. Oh, shut up. No, he doesn't. That was awesome. Just accept it for how awesome it was. Please, please stop complaining. I beg you. Any OU fan out there that's been complaining about that play, you should have knocked it down. Please stop. Please. It was an incredible play. And all he, in that moment, all he is thinking is make a play on the football. And he gave us a historically awesome play. Let's just enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yes, I know they backed up, but the offense should have executed better backed up. Kennedy Brooks, we'll get to that. He needs to know the difference between being in the middle of the field and being backed up when it comes to running the football. But stop complaining. I'm going to make you feel better. I'll make you feel even better. He shouldn't have batted it down. So where, where, where the play happens, he doesn't know who's behind him or what's happening behind him. And if he doesn't catch it, that guy, there was two receivers right in the same spot. He, he doesn't have the ability to bat that ball down. It was way above him. He won hands way up high. He, he would have had to bat it up, which you don't ever want to bat the ball up into the air, right? Because that's whenever someone can easily make a catch. It was his only play. His only play was to catch it. If he doesn't catch it, it goes through. Who knows? It may be a touchdown. Uh, If he just bats it, it may bat up in the air, and someone may catch it that way as well. It's not perfect. It's not ideal. But at that point, the only play was to intercept it, and it turned out to be maybe the single greatest catch that's ever taken place on that field. You heard it. You heard it, <laughs> OU fan that's been complaining about that. Ted, imagine being the guy that is actually angry about DJ Graham intercepting that football. Like, I I saw so much of it on Twitter, and I, I was just like, guys. So I figured we'd just wait for the podcast to address it. And Well, here's the other thing. It's like, Stuff like that, catches like that happen, just like you don't even think about it. You stick your hand up and snag it, and it's over, and it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I caught that thing. It's not something that's like, hmm, let's see what happens. It's like everything happened so quickly. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. And here's the other thing. Good luck ever convincing a corner to bat the ball down. I think I said this on the broadcast. Coaches have spent years, years, telling defensive backs at the end of a half or at the end of a game on a Hail Mary play to, to bat the ball down. Don't catch it, bat it straight down. They never, they're always going to catch it, always going to intercept it because, you know, everyone wants the stats, which I can't blame them. If you can get it easy, give me interception, you take it. One mindset. I love it. All right. Anything else for the defense? Any final thoughts on that side of the ball? Um, I thought they overall they played pretty pretty solid football. 
I mean, yeah. too many sustained drives from Nebraska d- didn't get off the field on third down and a couple of those scoring drives for him. That could have been a lot better. We we talked about the lack of rush on those, and you know, we disagreed with the uh, the philosophy there. But other than that, like, thought they really. I mean, Nebraska had ninety five yards rushing, ninety five. Yep. I'll give you one little note. It was uh, it was interesting, but. They miss Stutzman out there. The energy he brings, the way he flies to the football at that Mike Backer spot, they could have used him for sure. And I'll tell you, when he comes back, it would not shock me if he takes over as the starting Mike Backer. That is that is certainly notable. Because Deshaun White started at Mike Backer this weekend. Had Stutzman not got hurt, he probably would have been the starter. So that's how good he was playing at the time. Well, but I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back. So you're saying this they were down is, three starters then, right? I mean, because you got Stutzman, who's in the sling. He had some insane sunglasses on on the sideline. That kid's crazy. I love it. But no Bowman, right? No Billy Bowman, who right. is the most talented guy they have maybe in the entire defensive backfield, but certainly at the nickel position. And then no Woody Washington, who from everything I can gather has been their most consistent corner. Now, maybe not their most talented, maybe not the highest ceiling, but their most consistent guy. So that's three starters they didn't have on the defensive side. Yeah. At least uh, heavy rotational guys. But yeah, I, I, I think that would have been, those three guys probably would have started. And, you know, Turner yells, it's so good having him as a guy that can play multiple spots and play that nickel to to help fill in there, and you don't totally lose everything. Yeah. So, All right, let's get to the offense. But first, the only place to stop when you are road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24 access to clean and safe places. Congrats to Kevin Corley of Muskogee on winning this week's $25 game day gift card from Love's. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, drinks, and my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a first full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. First Fidelity Bank does it all, whether it's online bank for Online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Okay. Let's talk OU offense. It's not good enough. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I thought the defense held up there into the bargain. 
right? With everything Nebraska's offense threw at them, uh, I thought that they they handled things well. Just didn't get enough from Oklahoma's offense, and this is this is OU, right? Like we are used to seeing them go up and down the field. The thing that stands out, Ted, as you go back and watch it, where are the explosive plays in the passing game? Where are yeah. they at? I mean, the biggest passing play came on a play where they handed the ball to Mario Williams. He turns it back and throws it to Spencer Rattler, who then throws it to Marvin Mims. That was the most play. explosive play. <laughs> it's a great play, but that's not where you want your most explosive passing play coming from. So at, at what point, do we start getting concerned about the lack of explosive plays in the passing game? Well, let's start right now. What do you say about that? Let's. I let's think start, let's I think it's a good right time now. to start wondering what's going on. You know. Um. Yeah. I'm just trying. I'm. I'm bringing it up here. Uh. I wanted to see what the longest runs were. Uh. We had some decent long runs. I had a 23 and 18. Um. A 14 from Rattler. I, I think the I think the the problems with the passing game stem from the running game. Um I I we ran the ball better against Nebraska, 35 for 194. It's a five and a half yard average. That's that's pretty good. But whenever you you go back and you look at the offenses that everyone's used to we would run the ball for like 300 yards a game, 250, 300. I think um, one year we averaged like 246 a game was maybe our highest a game average. It's just not there. It's not the running game is not there as much. Whenever you run the ball that effectively, it changes the way people defend you and it opens up the explosive passing plays. I think the lack of having the quarterback run game uh, is what's hurting not having a, a running quarterback hurts the run game not having the explosive run game hurts the pass game that's my theory could be wrong but that's the way I look at it okay I have a I have a question for you because it stands out a little bit to me so it, it's not like they didn't run it efficiently they did right now was it perfect no we'll get to that but their play action game blended with their RPO game. I don't feel like it is affecting it affects backers a little bit. I don't feel like it's affecting safeties the way you want it to affect safeties. And I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's the fakes, I don't know what it is, man, but I just don't feel like the defense feels truly threatened by the run game and some of those play action concepts. Yeah. Also, some of the play action pass concepts are elaborate. Man, it's like I don't even know if the offensive line is exactly knows where Rattler's going to set up in some of them and it it creates some bad situations, but I don't know if it's the lack of like Rattler not turning his back to the defense very often in play action like cuz you know, you watch the NFL on Sunday and it's like he quarterback's under center he carries out a wide zone fake, turns his back to the defense. Everyone in the world thinks it's run. And then you take your shots downfield. It's like they don't really have that element. Now, I'm not sure they've had it 
that significantly in the past, but I just feel like the big chunks and play action aren't coming, man. Yeah, they aren't. And I, I think it, I think it goes back to not being as fearful of the run game. Um, you know, being able to defend it with, you know, when you have a quarterback that's running the ball and does so consistently, it, it's you, you gain a half of half a person against the defense in the run game. So they have to commit a safety to the box whenever there's a, uh, a quarterback entered to the run game. So a lot of times you can play run with two uh, without trying to get too. Oh, here we go. He's getting into the weeds people. By the way, I had several people come up to me and say how much they enjoyed the in the weeds conversation last episode. So take us there, Ted, take us deep. Well, just quickly. So defensively, um, I, I talked last time, I think, about the gap sound and, and not gap, gap sound on the defense was whenever you've got a safety in the middle versus two high safeties. So when you have two high safeties and you're playing the run game below, somebody has to play two gaps and has to beat a block, um, has to account for two gaps, whether it's they call it like some people call it rope-a-dope where you have two different gaps, one like the A gap over here and the B gap on the other side of the center, and you have to play both of those um, either that way or you play a guy head up and beat a gap that's that has two gaps on each side of him. So anytime there's two high safeties, somebody has to account for two gaps. If you all of a sudden introduce the quarterback run game to that, now there's a whole extra gap produce so you are one and a half gaps short so not only is someone playing two gaps there's also a new wide open gap that nobody is playing so you can't you cannot play the run game that way against a a running quarterback you have to bring someone down you have to commit that guy to the box since we're not doing very much quarterback run game no one's committing that guy to the box so you always have two shell over the top and it's not nearly as good against the, you know, the, the play action stuff isn't nearly as good against the two high safeties. So that's, I mean, that's why I think like the, the biggest effect right now is the lack of quarterback run game. I mean, I, that's just a, a guess. I mean, I, I think that, I think teams would start playing them way more aggressively, uh, bringing way more guys into the box for run if they were doing that. But I don't know. I. I know what you're saying, but just looking at it, there's money to be made in the run game. Yeah. Just handing it. And I I thought some of the bigger plays of the day on the ground, they were just really good individual efforts by Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks. Part of me thinks that Nebraska, I don't know if they were stealing the signals. I don't know if they knew – OU's calls. I don't know if maybe the offensive linemen were being a little too loud with their communication, but it was it was clear to me going back and watching it that Nebraska's defensive tackles pretty much knew every time Marquise Hayes or Chris Murray were pulling. I have never in my life seen defensive tackles fly across the center face uh, a center's face in gap schemes like they did on Saturday. I'm talking even at one point, like backing up and running to the other side of the football. 
And I was just like, oh my gosh. So OU's got to get something figured out there. Because I can see it from the booth whenever Marquise Hayes is going to pull. He's got it. He just gets really crouched and low in his stance. Mm-hmm. It's and he's he's further back. Yeah, he gets, and he's, he's tight. His split is tight. Like and, and you know, it's not like we're giving anything away. Like if we see this stuff, if you see it from the booth, like clearly opposing defenses see it. And Harrison even job, changes though. his stance when he's yeah. pulling. The the thing that they do a good job of though is like I could, like when play, I was playing linebacker if I could see that. I'd be keen off of a big time, but they do a good job of using that play action a lot too. For sure. Like I like typically I see a guy pulling, I'm flying downhill, but then they'll play action and, and throw that, that RPO or whatever it is back there behind it. Yeah. So it is, it's definitely something that they've got to figure out, like whether it's less communication at the line and that's, that comes, that comes with experienced, offensive lines that have played a lot of football together, which is not what Oklahoma has, right? Because you get up to the line and you see the front and, you know, you say three down or four down. If you're an experienced group, you don't have to say shit to each other. You don't have to call deuce. You don't have to do any of that because you just know, right? Because you played thousands of snaps together. You just know. And the, the less you say, the more information or the less information the defensive line can gather. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if that's the issue. I, I don't know, but like some of these gap schemes, they're running that single back power, which I like. I think that's going to be a good play for them. The GT stuff, like there's some where it's just clear as day that Nebraska's defensive linemen know what's coming. So it's, I don't know if it's a formation issue, tendency, they what, just, but. So- like they're just swimming the back block instantly. Oh, dude, Andrew Rame, he he chased that nose guard. It was <laughs> unbelievable to watch. Like this nose guard is flying over the top, like backpedaling in some instances, and he's just like running as fast as he can to try and block him. It was I was like, oh my god! So they, you know, what would be perfect? You remember case the K State fake uh, pull play that they ran against OU two years ago? Uh, Hurts his year yes. when we, when yeah, they yeah, went to the Manhattan. power play where he does that and comes back. Yeah, they need they need a little counter to all their pulling something. Well, because here's the other thing though: what keeps that guy backside is the quarterback. If the quarterback never keeps it he can swim over the top because that back block, he still has to play that gap. He should because the quarterback is, is the I threat am, there. I am telling you, Ted, he did not. <laughs> I have never seen something like it in my entire life. I was like, Oh my gosh. And yeah, do it, you think they could get both of those guys to, to pull and come back? <laughs> I don't, I, <laughs> I don't think we'll, we'll see. But as far as, as far as the run game, Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks, good job protecting the football, right? That was a physical tackling team. You know, they Nebraska was trying to light those dudes up. I I thought they did a good job. They got to get better in pass protection, though. I mean, there's key plays in those games where the running backs are missing pass protection assignments. Uh, They are 
They're not meeting guys in the hole and blitz pickup. They're not using sound technique if they do. And it's forcing Spencer Rattler to leave a pocket that he shouldn't have to leave. The pass protection from the offensive line continues to be good. Like it's, it's solid, man. Now the run game, they got a long way to go in the run game. But if, if you were to ask me the number one issue right now with the pass protection for Oklahoma, I think it's the running backs and Nebraska. It was clear as day. They got into some five man stuff, Ted, and we can go a little in the weeds with this stuff. They would put five guys on the line of scrimmage and they'd put your boy 28, who is like diet Teddy Lehman. <laughs> they would, they'd go five guys up front and any offensive line, any six man protection on planet earth, you're going what's called five Oh, you're taking the five guys at the line of scrimmage. They, they know that, you know that, and the running backs know that. So they're going to bring those five and they're going to have a guy take a couple steps and then he's going to back out and drop into you know a zone area and they're going to bring that inside backer one-on-one with the running back. Like every, I mean, they do it in high school, they do it in college, you'll see it on Sundays in the NFL. Like it, it works the same way everywhere. And it puts the running back on an island. And teams are going to continue to do that to Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray. They are going to continue to scheme things to where they know that the offensive line has to take the five down guys, and they're going to bring that backer and create that one-on-one matchup. And it's going to keep happening, keep happening, because they've been leaky, man. So once, once you put it on tape, teams attack it. So I'm, I'm expecting quite a bit of that moving forward. Yeah. And what's crazy is that look is, is are you talking about the one where they stem to bear and the Mike backer gets up on the edge. Our defense does that all the time. That was a huge third down package for us last year. So I know they've seen it a ton through, uh, through training camp and summer and spring. Okay. Offensive line. I'm going to start with the positives. Chris Murray is their most consistent player, right? If you, if you eliminate how the guy looks, right, short and squatty, doesn't, doesn't look like a ton. <laughs> he, I, I will say, he does get himself in some bad spots every once in a while with where he puts his eyes, right? He, he, he has a tendency to peek when he doesn't need to peek. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's blocking the right guy for whatever reason he's peeking. But he plays with an attitude, and he plays with by far the best technique of anyone along that offensive line. And he puts himself in good position, right? Because he plays with good technique, he knows what he's doing, and he plays his ass off. He looks the worst, but he's playing the best. That's what my takeaway was. That's what I wrote down in my notes after I watched this game. Like, he doesn't look like much, but man, He's becoming a reliable dude. And yeah. I, I am I'm excited now. He he doesn't have ideal length. I understand that. And we'll we'll see as you know, we get into conference play. There's gonna be some bigger body types at the defensive tackle position. We'll see. But I, I thought he played well against Nebraska. Anton Harrison, this young guy, I mean, I may he may kill me by the end of the season. Ted, like there's flashes, man. You just see some plays where you're like, oh, my gosh, this kid's going to be so good. I will say this. He, he's starting to figure out how you have to play. 
right? How hard you have to play at this level of college football. I, I think that is starting to click, but his, his technique went off the rails in the Nebraska game. You know, you, you get out there, right? It's a crazy atmosphere. It's unlike anything he's really probably experienced, right? Remember last year, limited capacity stadiums as a freshman. I mean, the crowd is buzzing. The other team's good. They got strong dudes. And all of a sudden, his pass set just disappears. He started stepping up with his left foot. I mean, it is like literally. And the fact that he was able to block so many guys using that terrible of technique is that just tells you how talented the kid is. So you're telling me he was taking his left foot, his back foot, and stepping up under under himself and then going? Correct. Huh. And then rocking back off his right heel. Now, Joe Thomas, who is obviously one of the best offensive tackles ever, in practice, he would overemphasize loading his inside foot. So he was the left tackle. So he would think in practice like, hey, 75-25 or so on my right leg, really keeping that weight inside because on game day, it'll probably even out to more like 60-40, right, which is what you want. Just because you're moving faster and stuff? Yeah, Anton Harrison needs to emphasize that in practice because I guarantee you Bill Beatonbow is watching that going, what is this? This isn't what I teach (laughs) at all. And it's got to get fixed, and I expect it to get fixed. But I thought, okay, so I expect a lot from Andrew Ray. I know how talented of a player he can be. So I'm trying not to be too hard on him. And people, you know, people were, you know, putting a highlight. He had, he had the best highlight of any offensive lineman in the game. Just twist game, absolutely lays a dude out, puts him on his back. It was for lack of a better term, it was arousing. And I even went back. I was like, I have to talk about this on the radio call. And I did. But he, you got to remember, he's a young player. He didn't play in the opener against Tulane, right? Coming back from COVID. He played in the Western Carolina game. That team stinks. But this is the first time he's played in front of a full capacity crowd, right? This is the first time He's played against grown men yeah. like Nebraska. Nebraska's defensive tackles. <laughs> yeah, and those are, those are experienced guys. Those guys have been in college football weight programs for four and five years. Like you saw 95 and 93. Those dudes, I guarantee you, those guys are 400-pound bench press guys. They're 600-pound squat guys. Like they're grown-ass dudes that he's playing against. So like, the game was competitive. It was tight. Like there was some stress. There was some anxiety involved in playing in that game. Like, and he didn't handle it well, but it's okay. He's a young player. He's a young player. That happens. That being said, you get judged by the results, right? And the reality of it for Ram is that he played, especially with his talent level, he played about as bad as he could play. About as bad as he can play. Like, and that's not saying that he's a bad player. It's just a player that was thrown into a situation, and I don't think he handled it particularly well, right? I mean, the guy had three false starts. Now, he only got called for two, but I saw the third one. <laughs> the rest didn't see it, but I saw it. So it's, 
it, it was his first real college football game. And I can imagine going from Western Carolina to that nose guard was like, oh, the college football is going to be so easy. And then, then you have to block those guys. I think it was just a little rattled. Now, I yeah. will say the last couple of series of the game, when the game was tight and game was online, he played his best football. Now, he did have another false start, but it was, it, it was encouraging to see him finish the game the way he did. But I know I've talked about it before. This goes back to the, the, the situation that Biedenbo's got. He's the more talented player. Right now, Conjol's the more consistent player. That's why he started and played the first 20 snaps of the game. That's why he did. Like He was a stronger, more mature, more consistent player. But with Rame, you know he's got the higher ceiling. Like right? You know he's got more upside. You have to get him out there and let him play in games because that's the only way you gain confidence. You gain, you truly gain confidence in offensive line by going out there and playing well in games. He didn't play particularly well, but it was a valuable experience for him. So, like, I know I'm being hard on him, and it's because I expect a lot from him, but they're going to continue putting him out there because they're willing to take a little bit of the negative in order for him to grow as a player to get to that ceiling. So you're hoping each week, the more reps he gets out on the game field, he gets better and better. Now, he may want to take a little of that hot sauce off those snaps. My goodness, those were being <laughs> fired back there. But do you understand? I don't feel like I'm being yeah. too critical, Ted. And it's right. It's the center position. It's the position I know. It's the position I'm most passionate about, clearly. So I'm watching it the most critically, but he's got to be better and he will be better. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the thing is um, you could be critical, but you're, you're also saying that the talent is clearly there. You've seen enough flashes of good that he's going to end up being a really good player. And he's just probably needs to settle in a little bit. You know, that first moment of getting your ass kicked a couple of times is like, okay, now I, now I can under, understand the playing field a little bit better. Um, you know, missing that time right there at the beginning of the season was crucial time. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't think you're being too critical. And he probably wouldn't think you're being too criti critical because being Bo's probably being way more critical than you're being. <laughs> he is. This is Bill. What was that? Just what, what, what was that? So this is, I will say this. If, if you haven't rewatched the game, go back, right? DJ Graham, Rame's best block of the day comes on a ball that Rattler should have handed off, right? The third down, they're backed up. Him and Chris Murray murder the defensive tackle, murder him. And Rattler decides, even though he's got a five-man box, to throw the RPO slant. I don't know why. But I, that's one where, as you know, the offensive lineman to me, I'm like, hand it off, hand it off. So, but he did play his best football late in the game. Encouraging. He's got to play like that all the time. And he will. He's going to get there. Don't worry. Do not worry. He's going to get there. Okay. We, we've gone this long without talking about Rattler. Yeah. It was, it was boring from him a boring performance 
Now he missed some throws, right? Now they played some deep zone coverage. And, you know, when teams do that, you got to attack them underneath, right? That's, that's just how you have to do it. If they're not going to let you throw, throw it over the top of them. But that being said, he had some, he had some very advantageous looks that he just missed when it came to explosive plays. Like, yeah, he missed some of the RPO slants to Hazelwood that he should connect. Those are throws he's got to make. There's no doubt. But it, it's not like Nebraska was dropping eight and just rushing three. Ted, it, this wasn't Iowa State. But I they did emphasize keeping stuff in front of them. But that being said, I thought Rattler, I thought he was too conservative with the football. And I didn't think I'd ever say that about that kid. Yep. He had a couple of one-on-one opportunities for Hazelwood where, hey, there's a deep safety in the middle of the field, and, and the safety and Hazelwood are running with each other. Throw it, man. Let it rip. Like, one-on-one, like, they're not always going to be wide open. Let your guy make a play. Yeah. Throw it up. Give him a chance. I, I mean, that's, that's why they're on scholarship, to make plays in those situations. So, I was surprised he didn't let those throws rip. Also, it was, what, early fourth quarter. He straight up missed Mario Williams on a go ball. He, he throws him vertical. If he throws him across the field, it's, it's a touchdown. And it was first and 10, so, like, no, no one probably remembers it that well. But if he throws him a little bit across the field, it's a touchdown for Mario Williams and a huge explosive play. So, I – those plays are so weird to me I, because I know they they talk about it, but there's so much more margin for error when you flatten a receiver out than just throw him over the top, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the receiver can wait and then get to it last second to keep the the defender behind him. So, I, yeah, I was, I was kind of shocked by that one too. And a lot of people are trying to figure out where was Marvin Mims in this game? There's a reason Hazelwood stood out in this game. He's big and strong. Marvin Mims, he, he got eaten up by the physicality. And now you, you have to realize how the referees let them play in the back end. I mean, it was a fist fight at the top of routes. I mean, literally. So Marvin Mims, remember, not the biggest guy in the world. and. I think he struggled a little bit with the physicality of the game. If the refs, and he's got to adjust to the physicality of it, right? If the refs are going to let guys grab and hold and, you know, bear hug guys at the top of routes, you, you have to adjust accordingly as a wide receiver. Like, make them call offensive PI. Make them call. And the one they called on Hazelwood was bullshit. With all the with all that was going on in that game, that was a ridiculous call yeah. for the ref for the ref to make. But that that was a game that it just with the way that Nebraska played in the back end and the way that it was called, or I guess not called by the officials, not a great game for Marvin Mims. Just wasn't. He kind of disappeared, man. Yeah. He, he didn't have a catch, right? He he was the one that caught the trick play. Oh okay. it was his only catch. Right. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it was, he was, um, yeah. He, if, if he's going to be the best receiver, he's got to find a way and, and teams are going to make it difficult. And it's, 
it, just like you said, if it's physical out there, you've got to find a way to adapt and answer that. Uh, or guess what? Now that they, it's on film that that's the way to take you out of a game, people are going to continue to be physical with you the rest of the year until you can prove that you've got a counter to that. I, I had someone come up to me at the game and ask me, like, why are you talking about Nebraska's DBs, like their body types? Like, why are you so obsessed with that? I was like, just watch. <laughs> just watch how they play in zone coverage. Just watch. Yeah. And, dude, I mean, they got away with a lot. But if that's how the game is going, like, you, you got to play through Is that a Big it. Ten crew? It was a Big yeah. Ten crew, Yeah, it was, right? our, it was our old buddy Reggie Smith. He, he was a Big yeah. 12 official when I was playing. For whatever reason, he was super excited to talk to Plank, and he saw me, and he was like, oh, God. <laughs> I, me and Reggie, uh, we've had some discussions over the days. But, oh, that's um, funny. Yeah, they let him play. And I guess the last thing on this game, special teams matter. Probably dif- the difference in the football game. And I know that Burkish missed the long field goal, hit it good, just pushed it a little bit, but... And I guess they made the mistake on the kickoff, but that ball's rolling. I don't know how mad I can be about that one. Just a weird play. It's tough. It was a really good kick. It was, it's a dangerous kick down there. He, you got to remember, he's running. He doesn't know where they are. The last thing you want is to wait, and maybe it doesn't roll out of bounds, and now you got guys diving for it or something. It's a tough play. But here's what you can do. You're, most guys in that situation have been taught to stand out of bounds whenever you pick it up. When you stand out of bounds, when you pick it up, it's a, the kick is ruled out of bounds and you get it on the 40. Yeah, that was something that you and I talked about during the commercial break. And it was as simple as this, like, hey, you got to know the rules. Mm-hmm. Even, and that is one of the screwiest rules in all of football. But if you're going to be a return man, you got to know the rules. So a mistake, I guess, technically. But, hey, Nebraska misses two field goals, have the PAT block that gets returned for two points. Just huge plays in that football game, man. Special teams matter. You talk about it all the time, Teddy. Like, so much that it annoys me, let's be real. (laughs) But, hey, maybe in the difference in the football game and what was a hard-fought football game that shouldn't have been as close as it was, but it was, man. Special teams made the difference. Yeah, if you think about Nebraska so far this year, the Illinois game, they had a safety, they had a fumble that was a scoop and score, and a missed field goal, or was a missed extra point in that game against Illinois that cost them that football game. And you can look at this game and say that there's just a small handful of plays that cost you that football game. Nebraska, I feel like, is closer to being a solid football team than people give them credit for. Agreed. Now seeing them in person, now this is one of those things where it's like, all right, Nebraska, you better look good the rest of the year. <laughs> like, don't, right. don't go suck it on us now. <laughs> and it was, it does feel like, and maybe this is why so many OU fans are upset with how the game went. It's like, it, it feels like a classic moral victory for Nebraska, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're at Michigan State this weekend. Michigan State, do you see what they did to Miami? Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so we'll uh we'll see. We'll see what Nebraska's made up very quickly. Yep. But okay, uh call your shot couple here. I thought this was actually let's just talk about this one because 
We got one from at SEC Sooner 34 who said Lincoln has to find a way to get Mims the ball more. True, but Mims also, he's, he's got to fight through contact. The other one came from at Mer- Matt Burkett 17. He said Kennedy needs to block better in the pass game. We talked about that. Completely agree with you. This one comes from Thunder Hardwood. Ooh, a little, uh, little crossover here. Dead mm. football stuff from Thunder Hardwood. He says, we need to switch back to a faster-paced offense. If we sub so much on D, we should have to we should have to slow down. We need to go fast tempo. Drives were too long last game. I thought that was a pretty interesting point, right? Because remember, you it, it seems like a couple of years back, Lincoln realized, okay, we got to help the defense out with the tempo that we play with, mm-hmm. and they're playing at a very slow pace. Very slow. Now they they'll, they'll sprinkle some temp, tempo in there, but and one thing that stands out to me is like the offensive line is in their stance for such a long time, and I cannot I cannot emphasize enough how bad that sucks as an <laughs> offensive lineman. But they are playing slow. That's an interesting point. Yeah. So what do you want? Do you? I think you got to be able to. You got to be able to play it both. Right, you you got to be yeah. you got to say you got to be able to go out there on a drive and go, hey, we're going tempo, we're going fast, but I mean, it, well, ultimately, you just be selective. Right. Don't go after your defense was out there for an eighteen play drive. Don't go out there and go tempo and go one two three punt in you know before defense is even sat out on the bench. Right, you know it. it if if you just had a like they had some long drives themselves, they had what a fourteen play touchdown drive. You have a 14-play touchdown drive. The defense is over there lounging. Next time, okay, let's let's maybe let's go out and hit a little tempo. Here's the thing, though, and we talked about this last season. And I, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but we have to relearn how to enjoy a football game, right? Do you, would you rather some, and some people would rather win 55, 48. Okay. People would rather win that way. I understand that, but Lincoln is, he's slowed down and he's playing to his defense and you're getting, you're getting games that, you know, are maybe a little bit closer than you want, but you know, that one, the last couple of games that and Tulane were closer than you wanted it to be. But there's some games like last year, whenever you look at where maybe we won by like 17 or something. I'm trying to figure out what game exactly, but the game is not even close, right? Those games are okay. It's those games are perfectly fine. You don't have to score 48 every single game. I'm with you. I'm with you. And OU fans, they're three and oh, enjoy it. Right. We know the expectations. We know the expectations, but let's just enjoy the wins. Enjoy the wins. That's all I'm going to say. I I know they haven't looked like they have not looked like a national championship caliber team just yet. But the good thing about football, you can continue to get better and they better, they better have a good week of practice because there's a good football team coming to Norman next Saturday. So, all right, let's get the national college football roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. 
Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, it is still hot outside, so you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water. Or you can grab a citrus variety pack or tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery store, local convenience store, and local liquor stores. Okay, National College Football Roundup. Let's start with OSU. Going to Boise, getting a win 21-20. Ted, I suppose it's hard for Spencer Sanders to make many mistakes when he only throws it a couple of times. That's now, good. You got to limit limit lim- the mistakes. Lim- limit the opportunities to make mistakes. Now it had a lot to do with all of his receivers not playing in the game, but man, I I said that OSU div- defense would be the difference, and they were. I mean, they were. They continued to be rock solid on the defensive side of the ball under Jim Knowles. Didn't allow a single point in the second half. Held Boise State to sixty four total yards in the second half. I mean that that is that's unreal. It, it's fantastic, and Jalen Warren was awesome for Oklahoma State. I mean he was toting the rock, just running through guys all night. Had 218 yards rushing, had a couple touchdowns, and it's unfortunate because all anyone is going to talk about is him getting stripped and Boise State scooping and scoring, and the refs blowing the call because it happened. Right, the refs yep. blew the call. It was a fumble. Boise State scooped and scored. They should have been leading the football game. Who knows what happens from that point forward, but they review it, realized they made a mistake, gave Boise the ball, but the TD return didn't count. So OSU ends up blocking the field goal attempt that would have put Boise State ahead, Boise State ahead. and Ted, sometimes, uh, sometimes you got to get a little lucky. Sometimes you got to get some breaks from the refs, I suppose. Yep. Lucky uh, is is good. I the thing that's frustrating about that is how many times, how many times have we talked about this and have officials talked about this that as an emphasis, let the play go, right? When you have review, let the play go. And you can always go back and and maybe the return shouldn't stand. Maybe his knee was down, but you let the play go. They've talked about that forever. If you don't know, if you think it's close, keep that stupid whistle out of your mouth. But are you I know, are you just I mad Boise because frustrated? Are are you just mad because you pick in our pickums? You pick Boise to win, and I picked uh, Oklahoma yes, State. Of course. Yeah, that's I, the only reason. 
it took it took a lot of luck, right, on that play, but credit to Oklahoma State's defense. Credit to that football team. That is and that is a banged up football team again. I mean, they got all kinds of guys out, but that it is not easy to go win on the Smurf turf. And although it was referee aided, that's a big win, man. That's hey, a big think win. about Oklahoma State. We're talking about uh, our games and, and winning football games a little bit differently. Wasn't very long ago when they had Mason Rudolph and they were scoring, you know, 45 points a game as well, you know, and, and so they're having to get used to the defensive side uh, kind of ruling the day a little bit as well. I'll say this. I've been very critical of Oklahoma State's offensive line. Not bad, boys, in the run game. Not bad. Seeing some growth. Good for you guys. Okay. Alabama goes to the swamp and gets a close win. Do you think Alabama fans, and I know that Florida is a much better team or much better program currently than Nebraska, but do you think Alabama fans react the same way as OU fans when it comes to winning close games? You think they're like, what happened? What's going on? Well, especially whenever they jump up to that big early lead, because it looked like it wasn't anywhere close between those two teams. Yeah. And, you know, which is good. They get up, get, get out there, take the crowd out of it early, but you, you let them back in the game and they start going a little bit, start scoring all of a sudden that crowd's into it. And, uh, you got a problem on your hands. Yeah. Bama jumped all over Florida, led 21 to three early in that game. Bryce Young looked amazing, but not rattled by the environment at all. But credit to the Florida Gators, kept battling. And I'll say this, the last three quarters of that game, Florida won the battle along the line of scrimmage, both sides, man. I mean, they, they pushed Bama around a little bit. And I was very surprised that Florida gashed Bama with their running game the way that they did. And... As I, as I was kind of re-watching the game, I was like, man, if only Florida would have had a healthy Anthony Richardson, right? The big stud quarterback. He is, he's the future there at Florida, but the hammy that he heard on a touchdown run last week didn't allow him to go. So they only had Emory Jones, and he was okay. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't great. The, your home crowd doesn't boo you if you're great. <laughs> But that was weird, man. That was so weird. But I'll give Emory Jones credit. He he led some great offensive drives in the second half. And while while he did that, all he had to do, Ted, was hand the damn ball to Malik Davis and not ride that mess point for what seemed like 10 seconds on the two-point play. And Malik Davis runs through an arm tackle, and the game's going to overtime. I mean, it probably goes yep. to overtime, but – and the, the bad part is they were only in that situation because they missed a PAT earlier in the game. But it, it's, it's, still, it's still funny to me. Losing a close one to Bama remains like one of the best things your team can do in college football. It's so weird. It's like Florida fans are like, we're, we're awesome. We're great. We're good. We're a good team. It was, but and everyone else will probably agree. They'll probably go from eleven. I haven't seen the rankings. Did they move? They up? did not budge. They oh, stayed okay. at eleven. Well, there you go. I mean, you lost a game and didn't budge. So. Honestly, without Anthony Richardson in that game and with how the line of scrimmage looked the last three quarters, 
I, I may have moved them up. Like that's stupid. It it sounds stupid, but like that's the amount of respect I have for Bama. So I, but I will say this: we thought Bama's defense was going to be, you know, one of those Saban type defenses. You know, look like last year's defense, maybe. I, I don't know, and I don't know if it's possible to play defense at the level they have in the past. So, but they they look vulnerable. They don't look yeah. invincible on the defensive side of things. That's for sure. Well, um, if I know Saban and judging by some of the shots they had in that game of him on the sideline, it's going to be a rough week of practice for the Alabama uh, guys. He's going to be on them. I think to, be, to, to, to have that big of a lead and give it up and almost lose the football game, he's going to be on them. Yeah, after the game, he was like, our guys have to learn how to maintain intensity for the entire game. Ooh, the back half of their practices this week are going to be so brutal. Oh, God. But, hey, a win's a win. On the road, hostile environment. Uh, Bryce Young, nice performance. Bama, this just in, still very good. Auburn goes to Penn State. Wide out. Penn State wins 28-20 in one of the best football games so far this college football season. Just an awesome back-and-forth game. Incredible environment there with the wideout. Looked amazing under the lights. The officiating, not so awesome at times. I mean, they stole it down from Penn State. And first of all, that's the worst in digital grounding call I've ever seen. And then they stole it down from him. I was like... What I was yelling at the TV. I was like, how is it? How is it fourth down? But Sean Clifford, do we owe him an apology? Because I he do. was really, really good in this game, man. I mean, really good. I I do. I don't know that you necessarily do because you picked them to win it. Correct. Um, I did. I I owe him apology. Yeah, he was clean. He was efficient. Um that, you're right. Dude. Pushed that it down the field too. Yeah, like rip, let it rip a couple times. I and mean, that's against an athletic Auburn team. They got some dudes now. They can run. It's a speedy football team. And Penn State didn't flinch. Kudos to them. I didn't think they had it in them to win that game, but um, and they. Sh- I thought they showed a good all around football game. Like uh, pass, run, defensively. Uh, that's. It- that's got to be one of the better Penn State wins in, in, in a while. Oh, for sure. And I'll, it was just like, it was an evenly matched football game, right? Yeah. That's what made it so fun to watch. It was like, damn, like they just took turns of like grabbing the momentum. And it was just really, really competitive. Two teams that I think are pretty evenly matched from a talent perspective. And I just like fourth and goal with a chance to tie the game late. And goal line fade is the call. What are we doing? What are we doing? I I, I couldn't believe it. You've you've got Tank Bigsby. Bo Nix, the best thing he does is use his legs. You're on the goal line. And you go, yep, goal line fade. Bo Nix throws it like 10 yards out of bounds. I... (laughs) I, yeah, I, I thought it was, and it, it sounds like there were other options on the play, but hey, Brian Harson, 
Don't let the one of the away. options be Bo Nix throw the goal line fade. It's the hardest throw. It's one of the hardest plays in football. Unless you have a, a player that's just head and shoulders above everyone else out there uh, on the on the perimeter. Tank Bigsby's your ride, your lead dog in that, ride that the spot. Tank. Let's go. I mean, yeah. Don't overthink it, guys. Come on. But it, it, even after that, Auburn ended up having another chance, created some great, you know, really dramatic moment at the end of that game. But Penn State's defense stepped up, got the stop, got the win. Really fun game. Really, really fun, fun game. Good win for Penn State, man. Absolutely. Okay, last ranked matchup, Arizona State went to BYU and took a big dump on themselves. <laughs> that's what that's what happens. The Cougars win at home 27-17. Now, most of y'all were probably sleeping during this one. No judgment here. It was late. But Arizona State appeared to have a lot of momentum in the third quarter. And then the game changed on one of the best hustle plays you will ever see. BYU's quarterback, Jaron Hall, bad ball. Throws it right to a guy from Arizona State. Don't think he ever saw him. Looks like it's going to be returned all the way back for a pick six, and that would give Arizona State the lead. But BYU running back Tyler Algier runs this dude down, and it's hard to describe what he did, but he like runs him down, doesn't horse collar him, which is super smart, like grabs him by the shoulder, then jumps into the air and Superman punches the ball out. The ball then rests perfectly in bounds somehow. And BYU jumps on it. BYU's football. And BYU had all the momentum and controlled the game from that point. Like it was what what an awesome play. No, I you love those type of plays. The effort plays, uh chasing someone down. Everyone else has kind of given up on it, but uh no, that was awesome. I'm just frustrated as hell that uh, Arizona State is going to, like I said, you cheat so you can win football games like this, right? Come on. But that quarterback, uh, you you throw two interceptions, you're not going to win close games. Jaron Hall from BYU, I'll say this, he's fun to watch, right? And I, I want to be really complimentary of BYU and be like, yeah, they just controlled this game, but it's really not what happened. Jaden Daniels, Arizona's QB, Arizona State's QB, he, he wasn't at his best. And they just made an unbelievable amount of mistakes, man. I mean, critical turnovers, committed so many penalties. I mean, they had better athletes than BYU. They just they couldn't get out of their own way. It, it felt like as I was watching, especially the second half, it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, they just, they don't want to win. They don't want to win. It's probably because of those ugly-ass jerseys they wore. Was, what who, was that? Who is that big tight end for uh, BYU that had those two touchdowns? He's a pretty good player. Yeah. I, I you know, I'm, they they produce some random dudes like that, right? Where <laughs> you're do. just like, who is that guy? But, yeah, between Gigantic him and Algier, I, I do think that Jaron Hall kid, if he continues to get better, like, he's he's one of the funner QBs to watch. Yeah. In in all of college football. So 
I, it seems like there's a discussion. People want to talk about like, okay, how good is BYU? I won't lie. They're up to 15 in the AP poll. I don't think they're that good. I don't. I, I really don't. But that doesn't detract from a great win. Like that's a good win against a, you know, solid Arizona State team that just didn't want to win. You know, you make that many mistakes, you play that careless, you don't want to win. That's bottom line. Stupid Arizona State. Can you tell <laughs> I picked them to win the game? Uh, yeah. Well, I thought you – did you pick Arizona State? Too? Yeah. I thought okay. they would out-athlete them, and I was right. They had the run game rolling, man, and Gata was – I thought he was going to end up rushing for like 300 yards. And then Algier, that play, it, it really did. It changed the entire momentum of that football game. It was uh, It was pretty crazy. All right. Are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Soft Rock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. Soft Rock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C.com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass-filled joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about SoftRock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834 and make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. As a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I had to go with uh, that Ravens-Chiefs game last night. So awesome. About as good of a football game as you could ever watch. Uh, I did think it was weird that the Ravens were celebrating after they won that, like they had just won the Super Bowl. Uh, but it's it's hard to blame them. That was so awesome. That was great. Harbaugh going for it on fourth down in his own territory. I mean, that's the game, right? Uh, which we've all seen it before. You play it smart. You punt. And in about four plays, Mahomes goes down and kicks a field goal, right? It's that easy. It, we, we've seen that before. So um, awesome play. Decided to go for it there. Lamar Jackson getting it on the on the uh, QB run, which everyone knew was coming. That game just – it had everything. That was awesome football game to watch. As a fan, that's why the NFL is so good right there. Awesome matchups. How about – did you see the clip of Harbaugh? Hey, Lamar, you want to go for this? Yeah, I, I, just, I saw it in real time. It, it showed him. Did they replay that? I thought, yeah, I thought he it, said – he basically is like, hey, Lamar, you want to go for this? And Lamar Jackson's like, hell yeah. He's like, all right, let's go then. It was okay. – but at two, I, I think this is – you know, it, there's a lot of analytics, and the Ravens use a lot of it, right? But sometimes you just got to put your nuts on the table, man. 
And that was one of those situations where it may be the analytics, like maybe the charts say, hey, maybe the percentage say, hey, go for it. But Yeah, especially whenever you see who the other quarterback is. Well, you factor that in, and, dude, the Ravens, they had been gashing the Chiefs the entire second half running the football. Like, mm-hmm. they weren't stopping them from getting a yard. I thought it was the only decision in my mind. Now, I'm not going to lie. I was cheering for the Chiefs, you know. My allegiance is live with the Belldozer. How about the tight end screen to the Belldozer? That was sick. Good job, Andy Reid. But so I'm like, okay, I hope they get stuff. Chiefs go down, kick a field goal, and win. But still, it's cool to see moments like that. And it's not the playoffs, right? But didn't that win feel pretty big for Lamar Jackson? He was awesome in that game. Running the ball, the jump pass was sweet. Like he he played great. Yeah, no, he did. He looked good. Um, I thought, I thought defensively, the Ravens, uh, whenever they needed to, came up with play, uh, some big plays. Yeah, it, it was, it was awesome. Who, who was the guy that, um, uh, that punched that ball out late? Oh gosh. Um, oh, was? it was uh, Owe. Owe, yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, you had to have a play, and he punches that thing out. How awesome did- was that? Did he even punch it that hard though? Like when when in in the on the on the spectrum of punch outs, no. I feel that was like a four. Like he was kind of like out of position where like how, where he was. Anyways, it's like he just he, swiped at it, and I don't. It, it's all this sounds stupid, but it's almost like Clyde Edwards Alaire didn't see him, and you know, like when you don't see someone, and they're like, "Hey, man," and they touch your arm, and you're like, "Oh, what?" Uh, yeah. That's how it felt. Like he was just like surprised by it. Yeah. That may sound uh, that that probably sounded really stupid, but that that's how it just seemed it like it didn't seem like a punch out that should have caused him to fumble. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh especially in that moment of a game, you know. Especially uh, when your only thought is don't fumble, don't fumble, don't <laughs> right. fumble. Right. But altogether, unbelievable football game. That was awesome. I, uh, I'll say it now. And I think a lot of people who agree with me really hope those teams match up at the playoffs. They, uh, they yeah. play fun games, man. And if you're a Kansas city chiefs fan, gotta be a little concerned about the defense, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. They, they look leaky once again. And can we move Chris Jones back inside, please? Uh, Ted, you don't like him outside. Well, let's just walk through the logic. This is how I'm thinking. Chris Jones, and like I've seen him play in person, right? Watched all kinds of his games. Like He's one of the best interior defensive linemen in all of football. That's why he got the massive contract, right? He is a disruptive force. His strength, his quickness, that combination or it is nightmare fuel for an interior offensive lineman. Why on God's green earth would you take one of the elite players at his position and put him in a different spot? Why would you do that? It doesn't make, it's like he had a couple snaps where they kicked him in the interior last night and he just wrecked fools. And I'm sitting there going, just leave him there. Leave him there. He's been a dominant player in the interior of the defense line. 
why are you trying to make him an edge guy? It makes no sense. It's like they ran, they ran the zone read, and Lamar's looking at Chris Jones like, I'm about to run around this dude. And he did. <laughs> it's like, what are I? That's some things where it's like, coach, what are you doing? Like, I don't want to hear your reasoning. He was dominant at his position. You paid him a gajillion dollars because he's so good at that position. Don't, don't move him. Please. Yeah. Well, maybe I know that Andy Reid loves uh, our podcast, so maybe he'll hear, hear that moving back. Right? I'm sure. I'm sure that will uh, that will sway the uh, the Chiefs' brass to uh, to move him back to the interior. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I had to go with San Francisco. Uh, the 49ers lose all three running backs in their game against the Eagles. Still pull off a win, 17-11 against Philly, but they lose all three of their starters uh, or uh, rotational guys, Elijah Mitchell, Jermichael Hasty, and then Trey Sermon got a concussion. Um, pretty and, brutal. And, and that's on top of Mostert already being hurt. Right, already being out. So they luckily had another guy that they had just brought in that they expected to only play special teams, Trenton Cannon. But this is one of the reasons you love the NFL. You show up, they've had a bunch of injuries. They probably worked him out on, on Monday, took zero reps. And the next thing you know, you're toting the pill in a NFL football game out of nowhere. Pretty awesome for that kid, but not good for the 49ers moving forward. Yeah. Trenton Cannon, Virginia State, one carry minus one yard. <laughs> but hey, you got that first carry, wet that beak, baby. Now, uh, what's going on with them in injuries, right? And and oh, the no. weird, okay. So the the different thing about the NFL compared to college football is like if you're having a bunch of college football injuries, like you look at the strength staff or the training staff and you say, okay, hey, what what, what are we doing wrong here? But in the NFL. All these guys during the offseason, they're working out at different places. They all have their training facilities that they're going to or their guy or whatever. And as a professional, you're you show up in shape. Like that that's what you do. So it's not like they can look at their training staff or their strength and conditioning staff and be like, hey, you're the problem. I is it the way they're practicing? Like it's just it's really confusing that I mean, because their season got derailed by injuries last right. year and it looks like it's heading that direction again man like it's crazy all i would say is it's a run of bad luck i mean you look at yesterday right. mitchell had a shoulder uh hasty had an ankle and sermon had a concussion now if everyone's pulling hamstrings or you know if, if there's some type of uh common thread there maybe you could say it's something that they're doing but i honestly think it's probably just a run of bad luck i feel like green bay had a run of bad luck injury wise for like five years at one point, uh, whether it was Rogers or whoever it was that was constantly getting injured, they had guys out, but, um, that sucks for the 49ers. Hopefully for them that these aren't all going to be long lasting. It sounds like Elijah Mitchell's may have just been a stinger, which, um, he'll probably be back next week, but not good. They'll be working out some running backs this week. Yep. Start, start stretching 
any running backs on the street, start stretching. The 49ers need you. Okay, if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you are doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. If you got to grab some, you you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top twenty whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you need to stag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. Maybe that'll help uh, uh, your uh, your sickness there, Ted. Maybe that's what you need. Probably would. A little shot in the morning just to get you going. Yeah. I, I need that. <laughs> All right, how are you? How are you doing? Running out of better. steam. Better. Feeling good? Feeling better, yes. See, all you had to do was podcast. I don't know if you could see at the very beginning. but You stopped I was, sweating. I was in a full sweat whenever we started for some reason. Wasn't hot, just was in a full sweat. I am actually feel somewhat normal right now. You are a trooper, sir. Okay, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with our guy, Neil Brown. You know I love me some Neil Brown, Ted. They almost let a big lead disappear, but... Why are you West throwing Virginia. the screen uh, deep in your own territory that late in the game? Just run the ball, Neil. Come on. Yeah. Or, hey, veteran don't quarterback, when there's a defensive lineman standing right in front of him, just throw it in the dirt and don't well, give that one the ball. Well, that was green, right, that threw that one? Isn't he the young kid? No, I think that it. Uh, they rode with Daggy for the most of the game. I don't oh, okay. know. I thought it was – no, it was Daggy for sure. Okay. He wouldn't have green in, in that moment. But big win. Even though it got a little tight, big win for West Virginia against Virginia Tech, setting up a fun one in Norman this weekend. So I am I'm excited for that game. Remember, two teams didn't play last year. Both of them got canceled. We did time. two, we did multiple <laughs> pregame shows that never aired. The lost tapes. The two best pregame shows ever. They were fantastic. I also thought about going with Chicago Bears fans, Ted. Andy Dalton tweaks the knee. Gets a little banged up. Justin Fields goes in. The Bear fans are beyond ecstatic. And they get a win. Not a pretty one, but get a win over the Bengals. You got to love it whenever you go down with a knee injury and the fans start cheering. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wow, Chicago. But it, it seems like Dal- it didn't seem too serious. So hopefully he's okay. But yeah, it looks like it'll be Justin Fields. It's, I don't know. It's like I don't the know perfect how. way. I wonder if it was like a fake deal where, you know, hey, Andy, go out there and act like you hurt your knee. That way you can save face. You don't have to get benched for fields. It'll just be the perfect transition. The, the owner's like, hey, I will give you a million dollars in Bitcoin <laughs> if you just act like you hurt your knee. And he's like, deal. <laughs> Done. Uh, but my winner of the weekend and the best thing I saw in football all weekend. Fresno State quarterback Jake Hayner. Now, normally, Ted, for winter of the weekend, when it when the NFL season has started, I use it to talk about the NFL. But what Jake Hayner did in that game 
against UCLA, it, it, it was my only option here because he goes through the Rose Bowl and Fresno State beats UCLA 40-37. to 37. And if you're watching the game, which you probably weren't because it was very late, but Jake Hayner takes a huge shot to his hip in the fourth quarter. The guy could barely walk the last couple drives of the game, but he was slinging dimes left and right and fighting through the pain. It was, it was unreal to watch. And it was so dramatic because UCLA scores, you know, DTR takes them down the field. They score. They take the lead with 54 seconds left to go in the game. Jake Hayner limps back out there, Fresno State's offense, and all he does is take Fresno State's offense 75 yards in 40 seconds to go in the win, to go and win the game. And he's slinging it. I mean, he's slinging it and then like doubling over after he does because his hips are hurt so bad. And then he's like, looks like a 90 year old man that needs a hip replacement waddling to the line of scrimmage. And then he drops back and he's slinging it again. And there's probably something to be said about UCLA's, uh, you know, coverage strategy at this point in the game, but dude, they score a touchdown. He rips one at the pylon. pylon. They score a touchdown, and they cut to him on the sideline, and he's just crying. And I don't know if it was because he was happy or if he hurt because his hit, hip hurt so damn bad. But it was, it was so cool and exhilarating to watch. And I was on the Pac-12 Network, so I'm not sure how many people actually saw it. But dude, it was like something out of a movie, Ted. It was, yeah. it was awesome. I was just, just watching it right there. Um, I think it was the last touchdown whenever he falls down to his knees. and, and That was – they get the stop late to end it because there's only, what, 15 seconds or so left in the game when UCLA gets the ball back. They get a stop. They cut to him on the sideline. He just collapses onto his face onto the field. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was awesome. It was incredible. That's great. I don't know. He's – poor kid's probably hurting right now, but that's awesome. Yeah, I – what so what do you think he had like a, a hit pointer or something he got smacked so one guy hits him up and kind of like lifts him up off the ground a little bit and another guy drills him right in the hip like mm. or right like that hip like love handle area and you could see he the rest of the game he's just like oh my god <laughs> oh god <laughs> but to his credit i mean just went out there and played through the pain and let it rip. It was like, if you haven't seen it, it was so good. Go find it. It was that good. It was the best thing I saw all weekend in football. It was, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. But it also happened at like one in the morning. So I don't know (laughs) that many people saw it. My my wife and son were out of town, so I had nothing better to do. I was like, I'm just going to watch this game. Okay. For my loser of the weekend. Thought about going with the Dolphins. Oh, boy. Miami Dolphins get beat 35 nothing at home. And Tua Tungavailoa goes down with an injury, maybe insult to injury after the game. Saw Josh Allen's uh, post-game comments. He basically was like, yeah, we didn't play very well offensively. And we still scored 35. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. So they get uh, – that's, that's not a fun weekend if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, but at least if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, here's, uh, I guess here's 
something to comfort you. At least you're not a New York Jets fan because the New York Jets are my loser of the weekend. Had their home opener. They're at MetLife. And the Patriots continue to absolutely own the New York Jets. Zach Wilson threw four interceptions, including two on his first three passes of of the game. He looked confused. He was inaccurate. He was under pressure. Jets fans are already booing him, which I guess isn't that surprising. They are Jets fans, just classic. But on the other hand, on the other side, Mac Jones, who was picked several picks after Zach Wilson, looked solid for the Patriots, took care of the football, managed the game, did exactly what he needed to do, let Zach Wilson make all the mistakes. And then if you're a Jets fan, the Damian Harris run, uh, I don't know how many times you're going to have to see that, but what did he break? Seven, eight tackles on his way to the end zone? That was, I mean, that was unbelievable. No, it was, and it it pretty much summed up the entire football game, didn't it? Like yes. Just that one play wrapped up into one. And then on top of all of that, Sam Darnold looks good in a Panthers yeah, jersey. He does, man. man. I'm telling you, it's Sam Darnold, which you saw some of the throws that he made whenever he was he was with the Jets that were amazing and some, some of the different things that he did. But you surround him with some talent like he's got now. Dude looks legit. Yeah. Panthers, 2-0. and I told you they were going to roll the Saints. Just a bad mm-hmm. setup for the Saints going into that game. But a rough, rough day for the New York Jets and their fans. Man. Van Noy, ghost again. Did you see the Van Noy tweet? (laughs) He wasn't even, he was inactive. He was inactive for the game. And he, all he tweeted was ghosts again. (laughs) It was so good. Former teammate. Awesome guy. But so brutal. Yeah. The Jets could be a long year. Rebuild, uh, rebuild still going on. I'll tell you what, though. I, I and I was very critical of the Jets taking Zach Wilson. I I would not have taken him with that pick. But I have seen some things, obviously not in this game, to where he shows some real potential. He looked but, good in the opener. Yeah, it's gonna be it's tough though, man. It's this league will chew you up and spit you out before you even have a chance to get rolling. Was was there a was there an easier bet all weekend than Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback? Well, I don't, I guess his what's that record against rookie quarter? It's something ridiculous, right? Just I, I think it's a gajillion and oh is my yeah. guess. Yeah, that's that's always the play there. And Mac Jones looking solid. Yep. Patriots are gonna be good again. Dang it. That's your squad, though, Ted, so I'm happy for you. Yeah. On that note, episode 148 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning, West Virginia preview with our man, Mike Kazaza. Awesome name. Awesome name. You can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. 
And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time